Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to episode 268 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic. Kevin, joined by my co-host, he is Adnan Ikech, at Say Which Way. And I was uh, just about to say, Jordan Watkins will be joining us, but he's joining us right now. Just just in time for the intro. Really perfect timing, Jordan. Uh, so, guys, he's at Big 75 Fella as well. Uh, first of all, Adnan, how are we doing tonight? I'm um, doing well. Uh, you know, it's as well as I can be doing after the team literally handed away a division win on Sunday. And yep. instead of firmly grasping, firmly grasp it. <laughs> firmly grasp it. Instead of firmly grasping control of this division, they've instead opted to make it a three-team dogfight down the stretch. So, you know, let's let's gear up for that because, you know, this team can't get out of its own way. Nope. No, they cannot. That's really the theme of this episode is really perfectly encapsulated there. And also joining us to to talk about it as well. Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, how are you doing today? Firmly grasp it. <laughs> Firmly no, I'm, grasp I'm doing it. all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things uh, where it's one of those situations. I'm doing all right. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. I have my concerns about this matchup. And honestly, a good bit of the concerns isn't even about the matchup itself. It's not about the X's <laughs> and O's or things like that. It's just the situation. Uh, and I know we'll, we'll, we'll get down into it. So, uh, no, just happy to be here with y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're going to get into it. Obviously the Falcons going up against the Panthers this week, and we're going to see how Atlanta fares in the rematch and the first outing. The Falcons actually played a pretty, pretty tight game against them with Atlanta pulling away in the fourth quarter. Uh, but that game, I think a lot of people forget, was tight up until then. And in fact, the offense was really struggling through the first half of that game. So hopefully a little bit cleaner this time. Panthers obviously hurting on their offensive line. We will see if the Falcons can get some of these injured guys back this week. That would be big. Uh, but we'll get into that. We'll get into sort of the the situation now for the Falcons in the playoffs, which has gotten a lot dicier, obviously. Uh, there was a, a big report about Arthur Smith's job security that I know we're going to get into. And then we'll, we'll talk about, we talk about the playoffs and we'll also talk about the draft because if they don't make the playoffs, we're probably looking at another top 10 draft pick. So, you know, really there's a lot of opportunity here for, for many different content avenues. And we'll try to get to, uh, as many of those tonight as we can, but before we dive in too deep guys, want to bring you a quick word from our sponsor at betonline.ag folks. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off and bet online remains at your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA upcoming fights and NHL games this season. So no matter what you're betting on guys, head to the website today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code believe B. L-E-A-V is that code to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, guys, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Well, Adnan, I, I haven't gotten your take on this game yet. We'll, we'll finish off our, our discussion of the Bucks. I just want to get your thoughts on it. I know it was a, it was obviously really frustrating. Jordan and I spent the better part of an hour breaking down just how frustrating it was, but I uh, wanted to get your, your take on it as well. I mean, big lost opportunity, obviously, but 
what did you think about the game itself? Um, I think we're past the point of frustration. Uh, I think the Titans was frustrating. The Vikings game was frustrating. You know, the Cardinals game. We're to the point of it's become sort of maddening, especially this game where the Falcons, I think, for the most part, firmly outplayed the Buccaneers in, in this game. But they just could not get out of their own way. They just made mistake after mistake after mistake. And that just sort of, it sort of encapsulates the entire season with this team. Because, I mean, on offense, the offense just could not get out of its own way. But between the play calling of Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter's mistakes, you had, first of all, I have no idea what that play was on that <laughs> interception. Like, it, it, it just felt like gimmicky schoolyard bullshit. Please excuse my language. Where it's just like, you spin around and and then you throw a screen pass. Like why? Like wh- what? Was that gonna do? Yeah. What, what was that going to achieve? Um. So that ends up giving the Buccaneers the ball inside the five yard line. They end up scoring a touchdown, which of course they do. So that's seven points. The safety was also another play where it's like, why are you calling a long developing play? And at the same time, if you're Desmond Ritter is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen at having that clock inside his head. <laughs> like he genuinely just stays back there for as long as possible. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why he always fumbles the ball. I think he spent a solid three seconds in the end zone after drifting back there in the first place before he gets the ball smacked out of his hands. That's another two points. So that so you on offense, you pretty much gift them nine points. And then on the other side, Desmond Ritter misses Bijan Robinson on a wide open flat route for what should have been a touchdown. You end up kicking a field goal. So you lose out on four points. And then Young Way Koo. I know we love Young Way Koo, but my God, you're a kicker. You have one job in the NFL. And I get I get it. 50 yards, 51 yards, those aren't chip shots. In today's NFL, especially in a dome. Anything below 54 yards should, for the most part, part be near automatic. You should have a very high percentage kicking those. I mean, Brandon Aubrey kicked a 60-yarder for Dallas before he kicked a 59-yarder. I, I, I'm sorry. It's unacceptable to miss multiple kicks under 54 yards in a game. You lose out on six points. By my count, you've lost out on 10 points on offense. You've gifted them nine points uh, on the other end. And in the end, it doesn't matter that you outplay them. You just sort of, you just sort of handed them points. You just sort of handed the Buccaneers the win, the victory in this game. And you know, it just sort of, it, it was just a huge missed opportunity. And it was just, uh, I, this is going to be the game at the end of the season where if this team doesn't win the division, where I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, it, that Bucks game first and foremost, and then. The, the thing is, there's a huge list of games <laughs> yeah, where you, yeah. you say that. For me, it's probably going to be this bus, this Bucks game more than anything else. Yeah. No, I think so, too. And we've obviously talked about the other games that the team should have won. You know, we, we go back to the, the Commanders game where they threw that one away uh, with offensive turnovers. We go back to, you know, the, the late losses to the Titans, to the Cardinals, to the Vikings. I mean... So many, it's it's like they've lost in the same manner so many times this year, um, and it's it's really frustrating. You you definitely nailed the frustration aspect of it, and 
you know, I wish that they would stop doing that, but they don't seem to be capable of it. And that's kind of the crux of this team is they can't get out of their own way. It's mistakes compounded by other mistakes. And, you know, offensively, it's constant, you know, and, and it requires perfection from the defense and special teams for this team to have a chance to win. Um, and so you get a day where Koo does miss a couple kicks and it, that's the difference in the game because even this team with over 400 yards of offense uh, can't score more than 25 points. You know, that they've never, I think they've gotten over 30 points once in the Arthur Smith tenure uh, in three seasons. So, you know, they just have to be better. Uh, and once again, we saw this team thoroughly outplay Tampa Bay and this time they lost, you know, that's exactly what happened in the previous matchup too, except that when they turned it over three times inside the 10, they still somehow managed to win that game. This time they weren't so lucky. So, um, I'm just sad because we should be on here right now talking about the amazing day that Drake London had, What we should be opening up the show with. 170 yards and making some insane catch. We should be talking about AJ Terrell locking down future Hall of Famer Mike Evans, who absolutely cooks the Falcons. We should be opening up with, you know, Clark Phillips having a hell of a game. Like Clark Phillips is just, he's been incredible so far. I think if he continues this, he's going to possibly make Jeff Okuda expendable this offseason. That's going to be another conversation for later on. But if Clark if Clark Phillips right now, by the early signs, uh, I know he's only he's only played for a couple of weeks so far. Right now, he's starting to play himself into a possible, you know, conversation for a starting role next year. Like we should be talking about, you know, some of these offensive linemen who are backups who stepped into who stepped into the role very well, you know, despite all the injuries. You know, Ryan Newsel had a pretty good game. Tyler yeah. Brable had a, a hell of a game. Like the, the Falcons at one point had what three, four, four. starters, <laughs> four, the off- four yeah. starters along the offensive line injured, and we didn't even like we didn't even call out the offensive line as much for for poor blocking, for poor pass protection. I feel like that they all did a really great job given the circumstances of you know you have three or four backups in there, but man. It's just frustrating because some of these guys deserve better, and, and and instead we're just talking about the blown opportunities and the mistakes. Yeah, it, once again, that's what we're talking about. I feel like every week, you know, it to see like the, enough with the. There's no more excuses for them, you know, and and it just keeps happening every single week. We've seen it time and time again, uh, and there we go. Once again, we're we're staring down the the barrel of another losing season, another missed playoff. Uh, you know, at this point, I wonder what the odds are on seven and 10 again with Arthur Smith. <laughs> it seems to be, you know, he's like, well, you got the worst roster in the league. I can get you seven and 10. Okay. You have a good roster. I can get you seven and 10. You know, <laughs> that's all, that's all I got. I can get you seven and 10, no matter what you give me, unfortunately. So, um, that's tough, but yeah, Jordan, I know we talked about it a lot, but any, any further takes on this Bucks game, any, anything else she wanted to touch on before we try to try to turn the page on, on this miserable, uh, week 14. I guess a couple, uh, one of them being, again, you know, we talk about the, uh, play by the gold line and I've, I've, you know, I've heard what people have said and they've had to comment about, you know, the, the, the throw to Bijan. Now, first off, when I said, and, you know, we talked about, you know, Desmond has to hit it. Wasn't saying that in terms of he had to throw it behind him or like on him. Cause I get it. Usually if you throw it right onto a player that 
it's an interception in this league, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always like when I was watching it, I thought he threw it too far, right? That that was always my my um Eddie, and I've been watching it back. I've I've looked at what other people have said, what other quarterbacks have said, and you know, it's a little it's a little blurry. And I'm gonna admit, even on my level of expertise, it's a little bit blurry in terms of like how that was supposed to go. Um, but I will say this. In terms of like an add on, you know, like I, I I love you. I have to disagree with you in terms of what you say about Young Wei I think anything that's 50 plus, you're putting it up, you're just putting it up in arms. And yes, like the Dallas kicker, I forget his name, but like the dude's been balling. Shout out to him. I got nothing against him, right? Like he's making everything look easy. My thing is as an offense. If you don't do anything, especially if you have the ball in a certain field position, you don't do anything that gives your your field goal kicker a better opportunity to make kicks. I can't blame them. And again, like we talked about this on on um on the 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 pre the post game show and also talking trenches in terms of those two drives that led to a fifty and fifty two yard field goal attempt from Young Waku. Like again, he's good. Of course, we all expect him to make those kicks because he's that good. I, I I totally understand that. But, you know, it wasn't like we had a 40-yard drive, 50-yard drive, anything like that that got us to, well, here we are. Like, we did get past midfields. Like, no, we had the ball at the 47. So, that's, like I said, that's just where I have to disagree on that um, in terms of, of young way and what he's doing. And, again, like, the fact of the matter is, now, to your point about what Dallas kicker is doing, you can only name one kicker. You know, you can, I mean, if you want to name Justin Tucker too, that's fine. That's two kickers. All, there's, uh, there's, there's 29 other teams that are out there. So I, I disagree I just, on that one. Uh, I think most of them do hit 50 plus consistently. And either way, Youngwayku is the highest paid kicker in the NFL. I, I, I'm sorry. I expect him to hit 50 yards, 51 yards. Like, that's that's fine. I, I mean, I like. Trust me, when I see Young Way Kuhn go on the field too, I do as well. But again, my point being, you get you get the football in short and shorter field position. I expect the offense to make something happen. The offense didn't make something happen, so that's why we had to rely on the field. I no, like the thing for me is I never want to rely on a field goal kicker, and that's just like I was saying, like that's just me and how I I've always gone about things, right? Like obviously when we had it. Uh, we had that one again. We didn't score at the two, and trust me, like we talked about the throw. I'd still rather see us try to run the ball at the two yard line. Like that's just me. I get it was third down. I'd rather see us run the ball. We didn't do that. Had to go in the field goal. Nobody was was questioning whether Young Wei was going to make that. Even when we scored the touchdown late, and it was time for Young Wei to come out for a for an extra point. Nobody was questioning him to make that kick. But again, those are closer kicks. But that's my point being of it's up to the offense to make it even closer, make it even easier for him. And that's why I said, like, in terms of Justin Tucker, I've seen Justin Tucker miss. I've seen Justin Tucker miss extra points, you know, and like that he's the consensus, at least right now. I know the numbers might say otherwise, but at least consensus wise, he's the best kicker in NFL history. And he misses those two. So that's my point being of you can't have a five play, 19 yard drive, six play, 20 yard drive. And then just rely on your kicker. That that's just not a good formula for me. We agree fully on the offense has to do better, but no, I completely disagree about giving the kicker a pass. Like one, I didn't say he gets a pass. So what are you saying? 
I'm saying I'm not just going to sit here and say that he missed two 50-plus yard kicks and I'm going out there expecting him to make them. Like, no, yeah, he missed, he, he missed them. I got you. I, yeah. I got you on that. Yeah. But, again, no, my point I'm being is when you're when you're the highest paid, and I can name many kickers that are pretty consistent from that range, Justin Tucker, Jason Sanders, Harrison Butker, Daniel Curl. Who's really consistent from that no. range, too, but no, no one's perfect like, from I've that seen, range. I've seen yeah. all the kickers you've named miss from there. I've seen all of them. And, and I'm not saying cut Young Way Koo. I'm not saying Young Way Koo is terrible. I'm just <laughs> He's saying, a bust. Yeah, I'm saying <laughs> Young Way Koo has a very large share of the blame in this game. Because oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You, have, sure. you have one job, like, and it's not like he, he's out here trying to hit the NFL record. Like, if this was 54, 55, I'd be like, whatever. But in a dome, I expect at least, at the very least, hit one of them. Because if he yeah, hits yeah, one I of mean, them, yeah. the entire trajectory of this game changes. You can possibly kick uh, a field goal at the very end of the game because if, doing the math, it would have been what a, a one point game instead of a four point game at the very end. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, I, I I'm ex, I expect a lot from young way but also I expect a lot from any professional NFL kicker from beyond, from a certain range and lower. And that is within that range. So let me, let me ask you this. Cause you, I know you cover the Hawks too, right? Yep. How many points per game uh, do you expect Trey young to get? It's not the same thing. No, no, just just don't no, no, just no, answer answer the question. How many points it, per game do you expect Trey Young? The to average is twenty seven. Okay, no. so do you expect him to get twenty seven? Like what? I'm just asking. No, I, I'm saying like in the NBA, you have players who do multiple different things. Trey Young, especially Young Way, who has one job. So well, you have other people in the NBA that have other like they have you other have jobs that job. make that one player's easy that makes that one player's job easier, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, what I'm saying is, but when like, you right, are so the like, highest paid, when you are the gold standard at your position, there's a certain expectation of it. We can agree to disagree here, but I, like, I, I absolutely expect him, and I absolutely do place plenty of blame on him for this game. Look, I will, I will, I'm again, I guess my philosophy with football never going expecting, just straight up. Okay, boom, we got a kick coming up that's 50 plus yards out. Kicker's gonna make it. It's modern uh, NFL, and again, it's you, you can say it's modern NFL. All you, that's fine. Like time. I, I got you. I got you. I, I get it. I'm just saying. I think that is a bad way to go about things. Like, yes, I want to see Young Way Koo make them. I, I do trust that he's going to make them. But still, I would rather see. And again, we talked about this all a lot about complimentary football. Here's where the Falcons did not play complimentary football. Is you go even further on your drives and make those kicks easier. Like if, if he missed from 30, 35, 40, 45, all right, I I'm, I'm, I'm with you. He yeah. That, that type of miss is twice. inexcusable. He right. from 50 plus twice. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I, I, I agree be that on, much on. on the offense, having to help them a hundred percent, but also where you lose me is you can miss. I, I think it's fine. I'm not fine, but you can miss once. You can't miss multiple kicks. You can't you can't leave three points on the on the field multiple times in the same game. Yeah, I mean, getting to the two the two misses definitely hurts. Um, I mean that that's obviously something that ended up being the difference in the game, right? If you get those six points, you're ahead at the end. Maybe it's a different scenario. You know, and what we talked about on trench talk was like I just I blame the offense 
not not you know for the reasons that Jordan brought up right which was that they could have done a lot more to get better field position there especially given where those drives started the other one was that they just in the third quarter they just punted like four times straight like I think it was actually like six I think they went like seven or eight drives consecutive without scoring and two of those were the missed field goals but I just need the offense to do something in the third in the second and third quarter you know yeah, they also yeah. they also put the bucks at the five yard line. Like the, the offense is yeah. The, the offense is not absolved by any means. Like the offense it's stuck in neutral at this point. Like it, yeah. it's just And that's it, it, that's it, where it I ultimately many, land on it. Yeah. yeah, is I just like we and that's kind of my point, and I think that's what Jordan's getting at too, is we shouldn't be depending on every aspect of the team being perfect to win games because it doesn't come together that often where everyone can be perfect the defense can't give up points and the special teams can't make any mistakes because the offense is so mistake prone that you're basically gifting your opponent you know 10 points on offense and putting the defense on the field for the entire third quarter uh and then depending and then it's it's kind of what we talked about right on on trudge talk which was that a lot of people are blaming the defense for losing this game. They're like, oh, well, they gave up the score at the end. And I'm like, well, what about the other three quarters where the offense could have scored and could have done all these things and, and not put the game on the defense at the end of the game again, which is what they've done so many times is they pull off some kind of miracle to get this team ahead late. And then they're like, okay, defense, we know you've been out there all week, all game covering our asses. Uh, and now, you know, we need you to stop them now that you've played, you know, 80 snaps get out there and, and stop them defense. Um, and sometimes they do <laughs> good for them. But uh, I just, we need so much more from the offense. Um, and you know, if you, if you saw this defense's like stats this year, like just look at their season long stats this year. If you had told any of us three, like this is what the defense's stats are this year. Like it's going to be a top 10 defense, like a fringe top 10 defense or right around top 10. We would say like, Oh yeah, well they're definitely winning 10 plus games. They're winning 11 games. They're probably running away with the division because the defense is actually good. That's a surprise. Um, and I feel like we've come full circle now where it's like, oh, the defense didn't stop them at the end of the game. Wow. Th- what the hell defense? Like what's wrong with you? And it's like, I feel like last year it would have been like, if they, if they managed to stop someone at the end, we consider it like a small miracle. Uh, so I just, given the construction of the team and given the coaching, you know, the head coach and all this, I, and I, I don't think anyone's, anyone's fighting this, uh, interpretation is like we expected the offense to be the engine and it's not and it's it's actually hurting the team on a week-to-week basis and part part of that is you know that the scheme seems weak part of that is that the offensive players are making mistakes you know i, I know a, a criticism was that Bijan's route on that goal line pass was not correct. That's true. Like he definitely crept towards the goal line. Um, you know, but again, it's like every single game we're seeing mistakes by the offense, lots of receivers running wrong routes, missing blocks. You know, there's this emphasis on Kyle Pitts blocking. And I know people are like, Oh, Kyle Pitts is missing blocks. Well, yeah, he's not a great blocker because that's not who he is. Um, and <laughs> it's, you and know, again, it's the, the, the yeah. interception from Winfield again, like I said, that's not on him. Look, I'm I'm just just trying to tell people again, if you expect someone to be in a certain place, but they read a place so well that 
you know, they, they can shoot it like that. You're not going to block them. Right. And again, like Kevin, I know I, I brought this example up in terms of when we, when I, I told you, like when I was on the field, when we played Colorado, like, look, their offensive line coach can be as mad at that center all they want for missing that block. He was never going to block me on that play. Cause I knew it was coming. He was never going to reach me. Um, and that's the thing about that play too. When, when Winfield, again, give him credit for knowing what was coming and making the play. He was never going to get there. Like we can talk about Cal Pitts not being a good blocker all we want, which is fair. That play is a terrible example to put on that reel of him being a bad blocker. Yeah. If, if they know what the play is before it's called, you lose all your advantage on offense. You lose the, the advantage that you have. Um, which is that you know what's coming and the defense doesn't. And if you don't have, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why I, I hate running empty in this offense too, you know, because it's like, well, you've taken the run, the threat of a run outside of a, a QB keeper, which, you know, Ritter actually probably could execute. So it's not a hundred percent that you could ignore the run, but man, it, you're just, you're, you're hamstringing this offense's ability to keep the defense on their toes. And, and you got to, you got to keep something you got to keep your cards hidden to some extent. And, you know, on that, on that screen that gets intercepted, that was like the third or fourth screen like that, that we'd run in the game. It wasn't the exact same play, but the alignment was very similar. It was a similar play call and Carlton Davis flies up and he's like, Oh, I've seen this three times in this game and probably 15 times on tape. Like I know exactly what's coming. And if I, if I miss this tackle, then I'm sure someone else is going to rally. So it's fine, you know, and there you go basically a pick six okay. and huge, huge turning point in the game. Those points. All I know is him, you, so. he doesn't make that play unless he knows what's coming. That's yeah. all. That's all I got to say. Yeah. It's too predictable. It's it's not creative and it just didn't like it. You know, I, I, I don't like a lot about the offense, you know, and, and you know, another part of it is that if you look at, I was talking with someone on Twitter about this today where it, where it was like, if you look at the the running back carries and, and the, the rushing games for both teams, you would probably be like, oh, let's see, 25 for 108. Uh, and then, like, somebody else gets, like, five carries. That looks like what uh, – th- that's probably Bijan and, and Tyler Algier getting a few carries in reserve, right? Nope, nope, that's the Bucks giving Rashad White 25 carries for 100 yards. Meanwhile, the Falcons gave Bijan, you know, 10 carries. Uh, and, and, you know, no offense to Algier. They gave Algier, I think, 11 carries or something similar. So, um you know, and obviously some of Bijan yard, Bijan's yardage was considered a pass. Uh, that little jet sweep mm-hmm. that that was another like forty yard play. But you know, it we're not that that. And again, this leads me back to my main problem with this offense, which kind of bleeds into kind of bleeds into the overall issues with the team that we're that we're talking about. They're not. They don't feature their playmakers. They seem adamant to not do that. Actually, like this. Like, and you look at Drake London in this game. He gets force-fed targets, even when he's not open in this one. And he comes down with some spectacular catches. He comes has a career day, ten for one seventy-two. And it's like, how many? Wow, Drake London. You know, he's really good. He's getting ten targets. That's great. And it's like, how many times has he gotten ten targets in his career? Like four, ever. You know, and there's no other receivers on this team. So it's like, who else are you throwing the ball to? Um, and, and part of that, obviously, is that the Falcons just don't throw the ball that much. But they threw the ball 40, 40 times in this game, right? Um, <laughs> so it's like, they're not using Kyle Pitts. They, they sometimes use Drake London. And even Bijan Robinson, they're they're giving 10 carries to in a, a must-win game against a, a team down their best run defender. 
I just, I don't understand the game plan. I know you don't either, Jordan. I mean, what did you think about the game plan in this one, Adnan? I, that that was one of my biggest beefs was was their balls to the wall, throw, air it out game plan when the Bucks were down Vita Vea. I mean, yeah, it's, it's inexplicable. It, it feels like whatever is like the logical thing, whatever is the simple thing to do, uh, Arthur Smith just opts to do the opposite. And it feels like he's just sort of paranoid that, oh yeah, this is what the Bucks think we're going to do. So, you know, we can't, we obviously can't do this. We have to do the exact opposite thing when it's like, you know, who cares what, what, what they think you're going to do? Like, obviously they think you're going to feed Bijan. Like everyone thinks you're going to feed Bijan because that's, you know, that's the logical thing to do. But he, I don't know. It just feels like he gets too cute. Like he get he's been getting too cute all season long. He's been getting too cute throughout his entire tenure here. And I, I don't know. I don't know when enough is going to be enough. And I don't know if he's ever really going to be able to change off of that because it's, it's completely inexplicable for this team as a whole, not just in this game to not use Kyle Pitts as much as they should. It's inexplicable for them to up until two or three games ago, they had, uh, I think eight weeks into the season, they had given Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson the same amount of touches. I think Bijan had what three more touches total. Yeah, it was, it was close. The first half of the season, like that's that's, I don't know. That feels that feels like you're doing too much. It feels like you're getting too cute, and I I just don't know. I, I just feel like this is this is who Arthur Smith is, and he's just not going to change. He's not he's not planning on adapting, and I think that's probably going to get us more into into our conversation later on in the yeah. show about about that job security report but yeah it, it was just that's just one of the more maddening things about this team yeah yeah well jordan anything else you want to say about the game plan on this one before we turn the page to some somewhat related job security uh questions here in atlanta <laughs> Uh, no, not really. Again, like I said before, I think it's just it's it's an insane that Rashad White had one fewer carries, one fewer carry than uh, the Falcons had rushing attempts as a whole. Um, yep. Like I said, I said it before, I like keep saying it, especially when you consider the fact, like you already said, Vita Vea was out. Um, so well, that's, that's all I got on that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's uh it's pretty sad stuff that we just refuse to, I mean, even now, you know, I think Bijan has, what is it? 17 more carries in Tyler Algier over 13 games. And, um, you know, it's, you know, no, no offense to Tyler Algier. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Yeah. That's not good enough in the NFL, but we've seen him do his job right at the end of games. He's the hammer. He comes in, he lays it down on, on the defense. They're tired. It works great. Tyler Algier early in games doesn't work so well because first of all, teams have a whole year of tape on him. So they know what to expect when he gets the ball. And second, he just doesn't offer you that dynamic playmaking. And Bijan does, you know, he, he showed it on that jet sweep breaks one tackle. And there you go. He's breaking another tackle 40 yards downfield, you know, um, and, and Tyler Algier just doesn't offer that. And that's a big part of how the, the run game was supposed to evolve, which was that last year we, we had Cordero Patterson, who, again, he and LG are very similar, right? They're sort of hammers at this stage in their career. Obviously, Patterson has some open field moves still, and, and he's a physical runner. But 
no one's we didn't have that 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 dynamic flashy runner that could really make magic happen in the backfield and we we got that in Bijan and we're like okay we're we're spending a top 10 pick on a running back this is going to be the focal point this is going to be our star and once again we see Arthur Smith just refuse to emphasize anyone um you know, even Bijan I, I, you know <laughs> yeah like no, you're you're right. And I guess the thing for me, like, like I said, what makes it frustrating, and I know I've talked about it before. I'll get it's, I guess it's story time. So, yeah. at Stanford, even when I was in in practice, we uh, we had a player, um, and he was a good running back, right? But we had a player, maybe y'all heard this name before. His name was Barry Sanders. So it was Barry Sanders' son, right? He was he was one of my teammates, and how we used him, it got so predictable in terms of anytime I saw him in the huddle. And we're going against him in practice. I didn't even rush. I wouldn't pass rush. I wouldn't do anything. It's like, all right, well, Barry's in. I know what play's coming. It's a screen. And every single time I was right. And so that's what I'm saying in terms of that's what I was talking about before and what we talked about all year in terms of being frustrated about, you know, being so predictable is again, you know, because you talked about early, early in the game. Of course, early in the game, predictability actually matters. Like when you're late in the game, predictability doesn't because mm. excuse me, predictability doesn't because guys get tired up front. So I can tell someone, you know, in the fourth quarter, hey, here's Tyler Algier. We're going to run the ball in between the A or B gap. And there's nothing you do about it. And there's literally nothing you do about it. You're gassed. You're tired of dealing with this running attack, you know, time and time again. But when it's earlier in a game, right? So we have Bijan in. And there's that outside zone. There's that stretch. You can stop that. Or Tyler Algiers in, and it's the, again, we're going inside A, B gap. You can stop it. You're a little bit more fresh. Because, like, a lot of times what we've seen <laughs> in this running attack is what happens later on in a game, right? That's when you see the variance where Bijan might get those runs where he goes more so inside the tackles. That's where we've seen some of the outside zone and stretch plays for Tyler Algiers. You switch it up then. But, yeah, of course, if, it, if it's earlier in the game, of course people stop it they know what's coming yeah yeah exactly and and that's why i think he doesn't he's not as effective early in the game and i think i think it's pretty yeah. obvious you know it's just when the defense is is full speed full energy that sort of battering ram style it doesn't work as well because guys are like okay i just got to play my gap i'm going to go in there i'm going to create some traffic and he's going to hit he's going to run into me and it's going to suck sometimes and but i got i'm i'm good i'm fresh i can handle it we can all handle it we're just going to rally and make the tackle late in the game it's like god damn i man uh, i'm going to i'm going to put i'm going to stick my nose in there but you know sometimes there's some business decisions being made and sometimes you you go to make that tackle when you're gassed and the guy just bounces off of you 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 try to get you try to get a hand on him and he just slips out and um that's why i think Bijan typically is the better option early in games because you can be full energy and go try to make a tackle on Bijan and he makes that cut as you're as you're diving for the tackle and he's gone and you know whether you're at full power or half power if if he makes that move right you have no chance to tackle him so again you also this is Bijan yeah. as the highest drafted running back since Saquon top 10 just to put him into a committee yeah. Where you're not even <laughs> utilizing his strengths correctly. Yeah. I mean, at least they're it, utilizing him as a receiver sometimes now. I mean, there was that weird midseason stretch where they just stopped throwing him the ball altogether. So, like, what, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? I don't understand what the plan is. I don't, I don't see the vision. I don't, 
I don't know if there is a vision. I, I, I think there's a storm shooting against the wall right now. Yeah. No, it's it's like a beautiful macaroni painting, right? You know, you're... <laughs> what is that? Is that supposed to be a, you know... Is that a... Oh, that's a lovely tree. Oh, no, that's a horse. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's a lovely horse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really frustrating. But that, that leads us on to our next point, which is that we saw a report from ESPN reporter Jeremy Fowler, who we know has connections with the Falcons. Um today basically saying that arthur smith's job is expected to be safe quote barring a late season collapse which i would argue that this loss to tampa bay kind of qualifies a little bit as a late season collapse um the fact that they're six and seven right now is kind of seems like they're a a late season class but basically the idea is that probably if he doesn't lose out he's going to be back in 2024 and obviously that didn't sit well with fans. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of tweeted it out as, as news, you know, it didn't really comment on it, but I don't think I saw, I mean, I, th- I think I saw a handful of people out of like hundreds that replied say like, Oh good. He deserves another chance. I think everyone's sort of like, why, you know, why does he get another chance? Um, and I, you know, we, I think we know why, right. Which is basically that Arthur Blake has a lot of faith in Arthur Smith. And I think obviously they're, they're giving him a mulligan for the first two seasons, you know, considering that the roster was where it was, which I think to some extent is fair, but I don't, but I don't agree with giving him the mulligan for this season where everything is here. This is year three of the offense. Like if the defense was still coming together, I guess I would be like, okay, you know, the defense is still holding this team back. Ryan Nielsen's here for the first year. We should expect this to get better, whatever, you know, but the offense, it's the offense that's the problem. And this is Smith's bread and butter and his, like the plan doesn't seem good. Like, I don't like it. I know you don't like it, Adam. I know you don't like it, Jordan. The plan looks bad. So it's like, why would I want to keep going on this plan? Like, if this is the three-year plan, please, God, don't let it get to year four because this will be the 32nd ranked offense in year four if we keep on this trajectory. So it's it's an ugly-looking offense right now. I don't really know what the point of it is. I don't, it's not run-heavy anymore. It's not pass-heavy. They they drafted all these rece- they drafted these two big receivers that they seem reluctant to throw the ball to and feature. They drafted a running back in the top 10 that they seem reluctant to feature and, and like they want to save him for the playoffs which kind of bold of you to assume you're going to make the playoffs anyway, because uh, you might not and probably won't at this point. We'll see. Uh, but Adnan, I mean, what, what do you think the, first of all, what's your opinion on, on Arthur Smith? What do you think? What do you think the bar should be for these final four games for Arthur Smith to return in, in 2024? We'll start with that. I don't think it could be more cut and dry for me. I think it's, you make the playoffs fine. You, you, I I understand not wanting to fire a coach that just broke a playoff drought, even though I have my own opinions about it. Um, but but I can understand that. I I feel like that could be reasonable if you win the division. Either way, I I would hope that next year that seed is a lot hot, hotter, no matter what, barring a deep playoff run this year. But. If you make the playoffs, I can understand the justification for bringing Arthur Smith back. Uh, let me just put it that way. If you don't, then what? Then what are you doing? If you then wh- like, what are we doing as a franchise? Because if you don't win this division, if you don't make the playoffs, that means that Arthur Smith will have been here for three years. 
all three will have been losing seasons. And you said it, uh, first two years, you know, he got a mulligan for it. This was his mulligan that this year, like coming into this year, you know, there was no talk about Arthur Smith being on the hot seat. Uh, you know, you have had three off seasons of getting your players in here. And, you know, Arthur Smith, I know he's not the general manager, but he gets a lot of say in how this roster is constructed. And he gets a lot of say in how this roster looks. I don't think that there's any more excuses. You've been gift wrapped the easiest division in football, and you have been gift wrapped the easiest schedule in football. And it feels like you're just going to piss it all away this year if you don't win this division. And the other thing for me is, in today's NFL, what coach gets three straight years of losing seasons? None in Atlanta ever have. Not with blank. Yeah. (laughs) Mike Smith, after two years, after two losing seasons, he, he got fired. And he was coming off of five consecutive winning seasons for a franchise that had never put together back-to-back winning seasons. I'm not saying that that was a mistake to let Mike Smith go at the time, but I'm just saying like after two years, he was let go of. Dan Quinn didn't even complete his third straight losing season. And he was the head coach that brought this team closer to a Super Bowl time than anyone else. Arthur Smith has done nothing. Like he has done nothing ever as a head coach in this league. And you're going to give him ironclad job security compared to other coaches legitimately bill belichick's about to get fired in new england and he's had three losing seasons in 23 years he's had twice more than twice as many super bowl titles as as he has losing seasons up with the patriots like genuinely what coaches in the nfl have that kind of job security maybe mike tomlin maybe john harbaugh Two guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame, two guys who are Super Bowl winners, two guys who have done this, who have put together a lot of winning seasons in the NFL. Like, I I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And this is just me talking about the hypothetical of keeping him if you don't win this division and if you don't make the playoffs. And if that happens, then... then I don't... We may have to start having the Arthur Blank conversation at that point. Yeah, and... You know, we could talk. We could have that conversation at some point. It's just kind of a pointless conversation because there's nothing yeah, we can do about absolute, it, right? So, yeah. It, it I mean, we can complain is. about it. And that's fine. Yeah, because, you know, but, you know yeah. but it's just the question of like, yeah, it, like what's it, the thought process? Team, yeah, what's the thought process? And is this team really going to have long-term success with these kind of decisions? Because we were talking about it with Dan Quinn. We we were saying, all right, we hope that Arthur Blank learned his lesson with Dan Quinn. He kept him for a year too long. And, you know, that sort of gave him and Dimitrov, you know, the opportunity to make a lot of short-sighted, short-sighted moves in that offseason. And the Falcons were paying for those moves for the next two years into the next regime. And, you know, if you keep Arthur Smith after another losing season, it'll just be, yeah, he's learned nothing. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I'm very much in the same boat with you, Adnan. But, yeah, Jordan, for you, I mean, what would it, what would it take for you to feel like, a ringing endorsement or, or that you would be like, okay, if you do this, I think Arthur Smith has earned the right to stay in 2024. Like what kind of record or is it playoffs, you know, for you, Jordan, that you're looking for? Nothing. And <laughs> you're I've, done. I've, I've talked yeah. about, I've ta- uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. well, I guess that's the thing for me. I've, I've said this way before. I think a lot yeah. of other people had to right? you know, again, we can go back to some of our preseason shows. And I said, I have to see it from him. 
right? And and again, I get it. You know, we were what seven and ten last year, and I was pointing to certain specific instances where this was we like even with the roster that we had, like yeah, okay, cool. You maybe your game plan scheme yada yada elevated us over what we should have been at seven and ten. But I can also point to you as certain situations as to why you hindered us to be down at seven and ten. So I was saying that beforehand. But where I have changed is I came to the reality, you know, a while back. It's like, he's not going anywhere, and this is what we have to deal with. So that being the case, and, you know, I got to give, like, as you all know, I'm always watching the chat. And one of the guys in there, Corey Carter, he, like, they've been on this for a long time now. And it's been, the thing is, it's, it's Arthur Blank, this is on you. And I'm saying that in terms of, you want to bring Arthur Smith back? All right, and I, I totally fully expect that he will be back. I, I I do. The thing is, look, we can say all we want. They need to bring in an offensive coordinator. They need to do this. They need to do that. I don't expect Arthur Smith all of a sudden to turn around and be like, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good as play calling and, and designing certain things as I am. I need to bring in an offensive coordinator. No, I don't expect that. That's got to be from up above. And so, well, not up above as in God, but I'm saying as in like <laughs> literally you know, divine our, our, intervention yeah, yeah, is what this right, team right, is. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but my thing being is like that's got to come from someone in the front office, you know, like, hey, all right, we're bringing you back. Here's your chance. But if we're going to give you this chance, you had to bring an offense coordinator. Somebody like we, we talk about, you know, uh, Ragone and being a yes man, this and that, right? Like, no, let's, let's delegate some of the responsibilities and all this. Who's going to be your quarterback coach? Quarterback coach matters. Like that, that that's an important position. I know, like maybe other people might not realize that quarterback coach matters a lot, right? Maybe you have a quarterback coach. I mean, maybe you have an OC right now that should be a quarterback coach, right? Like maybe maybe that's what it is. So yeah, we're going former for NFL me, quarterback. You know exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so that's the thing for me. And I know Matt Shabby's kind of just floating around in this organization yeah. somewhere. It doesn't you really kind have of a title. That he's the de facto quarterback coach. But I he just didn't guess. Give up the title. It, I mean, it's yeah. Like, like you, you just, but again, like, that, but again, that's part of, on the organization yeah. of we yeah. just leave that. You leave that up for everyone else to speculate, right? So my thing being with that is, look again. I, I as as everyone can probably tell if you've heard me talk. I've been well past my oh Arthur Smith needs to go days because I I think he's gonna I I've, I fully expect him to be back, but in terms of your question though, you know like you got to win this division, and you yeah. have to win this division with a winning record, because anything out of outside of that look we said again before the season we said ten and seven at like right around that ballpark for a reason, not just because of how this team looks how terrible this the schedule is and and honestly yeah. the the thing about it is as bad as the schedule was going into the season it's gotten worse yeah it has <laughs> you know like yeah. it, it's gotten worse for example like you, you saw minnesota on the schedule right yep they were 13 you thought you were playing minnesota year. with kirk cousins and justin yeah. jefferson that didn't happen we saw the jets on the schedule you thought the jets were going to be on there with aaron Rodgers. like they, they, there's certain things that happen the schedule is actually even worse yep. than what it was when we came into the year when we said 10 and seven and we're struggling to be 500 right now. Yeah. So like that, that's why I'm saying like overall there's nothing, but all I know is if you don't win this division with how all the breaks that we've gotten and all the situations that we had, Oh my goodness. You know, like what that, exactly <laughs> is it that you do here? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I like, mean, 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and that's how I feel about it too. Like you, you got to win the division. No, I mean, no exceptions. And I mean, at least get to eight and nine, but probably need to get to nine and eight. But at this point, at I minimum. don't, ex- I, at this point, I don't think they're getting to nine and eight. I think eight and nine is the best they can do. Um, so, you know, I think their their path to the playoffs is beat the Panthers this week. If they lose to the Panthers, like he should be fired. I'm sorry. Like you should fire him after that. Like you lose to the Bucks, you lose to the Panthers. I'm sorry. Like losing I, to I, the, Pan- I cannot, the Panthers is I cannot your abide. Your, like yeah. Um, and because you 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 won't make the playoffs after that. Um, because if you lose to the Panthers, like you ain't beating the Colts who are in the playoffs right now, and you're not beating the Bears who all of a sudden look like they've got their shit together, unlike the Falcons. Um, so, and then you got to go to new Orleans and it's like, are you really winning that game now? Like new Orleans is a completely different team in new Orleans. So, you know, so I, first of all, you got to beat the Panthers and then you got to win one of these next couple games, obviously. But I just, I, I, if it was like this team was ravaged by injury or like, you know, the only problem was that Desmond Ritter wasn't playing well. Like Desmond Ritter just is clearly the worst starter in the NFL. And like the game plan looks solid, but like Ritter just can't execute it. Like there, there are a few paths to like, maybe you could squint and be like, well, we can't really hold the season against him. Like they, they, you know, they made a mistake at quarterback, whatever. And definitely quarterback has something to do with it, but it's not the whole story. But like, I don't know what you hang your hat on. Like they're not utilizing the playmakers. They drafted, Three straight top ten picks. Like Kyle Pitts is a bit player. Drake London is maybe the only one you could argue is being used correctly, and even he's barely getting ten targets. Like he's not even getting close to ten targets a game. Bijan's in a timeshare, like a 50-50 timeshare most of the time. Like, and, and I don't the the offense last year. You could be like, well, this is like the NFL's best rushing attack, or arguably the best rushing attack. So you, he could hang his hat on that he was designing this dominant run game. That that run game isn't here anymore. Like that, the run game is nowhere near as good as it was last year. It's still like top ten, but it's not dominant anymore, and that it's nowhere near as consistent as it used to be. So like, and, and you're playing teams that are worse than last year too. Like this year's schedule is significantly easier than last year, and you're playing worse. Yeah, and well, you're playing the worse. Next year is very brutal as well. And it's not all injuries either. And in fact, I would say like they've had up until this last week, they've had pretty remarkable offensive line health. Like they've, they've had to miss McGarry for a few games, but you know, for the most part, Storm Norton was holding up well. Then they lost Jake Matthews. Tyler Vrabel came in and played well. So it's like, you can't even, like there's no injuries to blame. You know, there's not. So (laughs) I'll just say this, right. Um, In terms of like, how much I think things could or should change based off this week, right? Because we're going against a one-win Carolina team. You lose this game, and I, I I say this with all sincerity. You lose this game. I'm gonna go right back to again what Grady Jarrett said after the Charger game last year, and I think we all remember that quote. And if you don't, I'll say it. Same shit, different season. Yeah. Like that that's what it's going to boil down to. You lose this game and all of a sudden like now you're two games under 500 with everything you've been gifted and everything you've been handed and you lose that where you really put yourself behind the eight ball. Like we're already behind the eight ball as it is. Um and again it's because look I, I, and I know there are people that are saying, "Hey, we can still make the wild card." 
Well, you know why the wild card's so difficult to make right now? Because you lost that game to the Commanders with Sam Howell. Because you lost that game to the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. Because you lost that game to the Cardinals with um, Kyler Murray making his first start. Like, there are so many other teams now that are ahead of us with a similar record. But the reason why they have the tiebreaker is because their conference record is better than ours. So, no, you trick those away. So, there is no, we can make the wild. It, it, it really is. We got to cheer for all these other teams to make things happen. So, again, you lose this game this Sunday. And I know we we didn't even talk. Like, here's how bad Carolina is. We've just talked so much about the Falcons stuff, right? Of, like, what's going on? They did do, didn't do, all these things. Because, you know what? Honestly, in my opinion, to an extent, and I get they're, no, they're an NFL football team. I give them that respect. Carolina sucks. Yeah. Like I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying it. They like, I'm sorry. Carolina sucks. Yeah. And especially the fact that they Brian know Burns, it. like I he mean... didn't practice today. He like, who knows if he's going to be active. Their O line, their their starting O line was about as is about as good as the Falcons makeshift O line with four replacement players uh, that we had. The Falcons on, might uh, be better past Sunday. <laughs> it, it might be. It might be. But again, that that's my point. So, again, that's why I'm saying this game means so much, but at the same time, it's the same reason why I'm so hesitant going into this game because yeah. it's yeah, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that Grady Jarrett quote to come alive after this week, right? Again, no, yeah, that's, you know, that's a good I, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to. You lose to Indianapolis, okay, I can kind of understand it. You lose to Chicago again, I get it. Chicago's been playing a lot better, but still, you should be able to beat Chicago. Like, those are some games where it's like, eh, and of course, how it plays out. There's no excuse to lose to Carolina. No. Absolutely no excuse. No. So you, you got to figure out a way. Be, yeah. Beating Carolina would also be the first time Arthur Smith has swept a division opponent in his three years. Yep. Which. Well, so you can't, even yep. Say, you can't even say that, oh, yeah, he, he does a good job of winning against other NFC South teams, and that's his calling card. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't get what he's done to earn that kind of I'm not earned to just be given that kind of job security because he hasn't earned anything yeah no you're absolutely right there so again it's it's I think we all need to see this team make the playoffs to even have the conversation uh, about Arthur Smith returning but it seems like the conversation's already been had and the belief is that he'll stay barring a late season collapse but whatever that means you know but I, I would I don't know what, what, I mean I like I, I losing would define out. <laughs> a late season collapse as missing out on the playoffs, but yeah, you know, if, if they mean he has to go zero and four, then it's like, what, what are we doing? Like, why? Right. Why? That's why that's the that bar. The <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could coach us to zero and four. You know, <laughs> the, the rest of the way. You know, <laughs> I could so, be on the field and we go one four, and it'd be all my fault. Yeah. You know. I mean. If you want someone to come take the fall for zero and four, like pay me the millions, I'll come because do it. Let's you know? say you go yeah. one and three. That's three straight seven and ten seasons, and you're not going to fire him after that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, I agree. So, uh, we did have two two super chats in relation to this topic as well. First of all, from Falcons four L with the five dollars. Thank you, Falcons four L. Says Thank heard you. the heard the bad news that Smith will be back next season. Yeah, it seems that way. Seems that way. And we had Matthew with the five. Thanks, Matthew says NFL teams with the easiest schedules in 2023 Atlanta then New Orleans Indianapolis San Francisco Carolina how do we ignore this Tampa Bay had the first place schedule we need to draft a quarterback Arthur Smith gone yeah I mean this is going to kind of 
segue into our draft conversation because the Falcons are back to picking 11th now um, after the Tampa Bay has taken over control of the division, uh, which it's going to be this way no matter what happens. Like, the Falcons will probably be picking... If they, if they win some games, you know, they'll probably be picking around this range or they'll make the playoffs. But if they... Say they do have this mythical late-season collapse. The Falcons could get inside the top five. I mean, it's not out of the question. Uh, because right now, the teams all the way to the fifth pick have five wins. So, and they play several of these teams. Like, they play the Bears. So, if they lose that Bears game, the Bears would then overtake them in the draft order. Uh, because the Falcons have the lowest strength of schedule. So, they will lose or win all tiebreakers in the draft order. Um, Vegas and the Chargers play each other this week. Those are two five-win teams. So one of those two teams is getting six wins. You know, then you got the Giants, you got the Jets, you got Tennessee. None of these teams look like so terrible that you wouldn't think that they would win any more games this year. So like, it, it would be hilarious, uh, obviously, if they do lose out. Um, and, and maybe that would, you know, lead to Arthur Smith's firing. But, you know, it would probably help the, the add a new quarterback uh, agenda that Matthew was pushing, but you know, it, it's kind of going to be another season just like that, where if they make look, the playoffs you, look, or I, they get I, a top I'm 10 pick. Saying, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying going, having a top five pick and firing Arthur Smith, that, that doesn't sound like the worst deal. right? Now. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of how I feel about it. Honestly. Uh, I just, yeah. And we got Corey Carter with $2 as well. Corey says we finished second this year. We get a sec. Then we also get a second place schedule next year. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, good point. Good point. Um, but I mean, I guess to me, it's like, I, I don't have any hope right now for this offense. And I just don't know what we're hanging our hat on. If we're bringing back Smith at this point now, if he goes on a 4-0 run and they go in the playoffs and look good, you know, then then maybe we're having a different conversation at the end of the year. But, the, like, I, I think the chances of this team going 4-0 are basically zero. Um, I think the chances of this team going 3-1 and are, like, 10% or less. So, I mean, I don't know what the most out- likely outcome is, 1-3 or 2-2. Two two. I mean, I don't think they lose out either, but it, I just don't. Like if they go seven, if they go seven and ten or eight and nine, it's like what? What are we hanging our hat on? Why? Why are we like showing confidence in this coach? What has Arthur Smith done to earn this level of trust? I just don't understand. Um, ooh, ooh, let's ask the magic conch. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Can't you say anything but nothing? <laughs> nothing. Try asking another question. Just <laughs> <laughs> all the SpongeBob quotes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. We got it's it's some dark times, guys. Uh I appreciate everyone for for trying to stick it out with us. We're we're trying to figure it out as well. Uh you know, at this point we got to get past this Panthers game, you know. It's, they're probably going to win this Panthers game, let's be honest. Like yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> like I said I, I wish I wish I felt more confident. I, I really wish I did. If they do lose this game, then you know uh, I think uh, I think that vision toward zero and four is a lot clearer. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The only thing standing between them and zero and four is the Panthers. So, <laughs> and because the Colts the Colts look like a 
very solid team with Gardner and Minshew right now. Yeah. I mean, even if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play, Zach Moss has also looked very good. You know, the Got Bay out, uh, Washington State and Utah. You know, I had to do that because Pac 12 is dying. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, those are two names. But uh, look, I, I'm going to put it this way. And I hate this. I really do. And I think this is what's so frustrating for the three of us in here. And, and y'all, please, you know, agree to disagree with me if you feel that way. And anybody in the chat, please feel to, uh, feel the, the right to agree with me as well. The thing that is holding the Falcons back from going on for is the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> it's literally been that way this whole season in terms of why we are sitting here with the record that we have right now. Like, it's not, oh, man, this team was just so good we couldn't. Overpower, like even in the blowouts, right? We can point to this play and that play in the Lions game. Uh, well, those two plays go differently, and it wasn't anything that the the Lions did. Like, no, you blew a coverage in the Jacksonville game in London. It wasn't Jacksonville was just that much better. No, Desmond, you made two bad throws in a row, and also you blew another coverage. You know, it's like all these different things where the Falcons are the biggest blame for where they are in this season right now. And, that, and that's what's so frustrating. So I can't even say, is the Panthers going over? And the reason why I'm, I, I, I'm saying that I have the, this fear of the, the Falcons losing to a one-win Panthers team is not because of what Carolina can do. It's because of who the Falcons have shown themselves to be all year. Like they, they are just not a consistent product. And so that's where I'm saying, like, that that's my fear for me. And my, like, if, if we do go on four, we don't miss the playoffs – I'm not looking at it as, you know, that team was just better. It is what it is, right? Like, it's it's not that. We're not playing the San Francisco's and the Phillies and the, well, Phillies of the last, you know, before the last few weeks. Or <laughs> I'm you know, sure that the, team the, would the, drop the, 40 on this team. So, well, maybe not yeah, because maybe, the defense and, would and be we good. Might, but. And we would, and we, well, they might drop 40 on us. We drop 29 on them because we can't yeah, score yeah. 30. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're not playing the Baltimores, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, we're playing all the, these, these teams that are right here and there that we should beat. And the reason why we aren't beating them is because we beat ourselves. And that's whether you want to blame the quarterback you want to blame the, the coach the game plan like all those things are true this team consistently beats themselves which yeah. is why look it, 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 if it's a team that we talk about and you beat yourself like yeah that's the reason why i can't confidently say oh yeah like this we're gonna win this game yeah. no it has nothing to do with what carolina does or doesn't do it's more about what we do and don't do yeah yeah that's the title of the episode we come back to it the falcons can't get out of their own way that is sort of the story of the season like they've beat themselves every single loss uh, and even in the wins they've almost beaten themselves like yeah. you, you go look you go look at their schedule like they've they have not turned the ball over in three games total this year and and in, and they've turned the ball over multiple times in what is it six of those games seven of those games they've turned the ball over multiple times on offense so so it's really remarkable that the defense is 12th in scoring and 11th in yards when they've turned the ball over multiple times in seven of their 13 games or whatever. Uh, Poor Larry a crown. Yep. Good gosh, that's so yeah. bad to hear. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, so it's just... Uh, and I, I know there's some people saying, like, well, we haven't seen Arthur Smith with a, with a good quarterback. That's, that's his, his decision. That was his decision. Like, he, they have gone out of their way to spend the minimum and put the minimum into the quarterback position every single year under Arthur, Arthur Smith going back to 2021, where they chose to take Kyle Pitts 
which none of us were super against at the time, given what we thought Kyle Pitts was going to be utilized like. They chose to pass on Justin Fields. And, like, maybe, you know, Justin Fields wouldn't have been this panacea for this offense, but, like, they clearly didn't think they needed a better quarterback. So, like, it's... it's And that's exactly what you were saying, Adnan. Like, please, you could finish the thought. I mean, it, they made the decision to do that. And... They made the decision to do that because I feel like Arthur Smith thinks that his scheme is so much, you know, high and above everything else. I, I've said it on the show in the past. Like I feel like Arthur Smith has such an ego that he thinks he can win with any quarterback. And yeah. he's never won anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> Bar. And before Ryan Tannehill comes in uh this offseason. So, you know. That because uh, yeah, Ryan Tannehill yeah, is definitely going to save us. It's probably yeah. the likeliest scenario if Arthur Smith stays on as the head coach. This team picks picks up Ryan Tannehill next next year and gets their brains beaten in throughout the throughout the next season because you know that schedule is very very difficult. And then they finally part ways with Arthur Smith, but that's going to be up. That's going to be another wasted year. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. That's that's my fear is that they're they're not gonna. I mean, maybe they do go out and make a crazy move for a quarterback, but like, what happens then? Like, what happens if Jaden Daniels is here and this offense still sucks? It's like, oh wow, we just wasted the rookie season of Jaden Daniels, you know, with this terrible. Off- like, are we gonna go? Bla- are we gonna call Jaden Daniels a bust then? Like, are we gonna call whoever a quarterback that comes in here a bust then? Because right now we've seen like every quarterback that this offense touches turn into a bad quarterback. Maybe Matt Ryan 2021 is like the exception because Matt Ryan was still playing well at that point. But like maybe Matt Ryan was actually kind of good and people yeah. in his fan base, you know, didn't appreciate him. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I don't th- I don't even think that's a hot take. You know, I think the, no, well, for some people, sadly, for some enough, people, it is. It, it yep. is. It is. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we'll we'll continue talking about it, guys. We'll see what happens this weekend. I mean, obviously, if they lose, it's time for the draft takes, right? Uh, because the chances they go 0-4 and, and end up with a top-five pick are much higher. And in that scenario, the chances of them getting one of these top quarterbacks is actually really high. Like, if they don't take a top quarterback when they're picking in the top five, like, then, I mean, I don't know what the hell to tell you. It's like, they're, what are we going to do? It's going to be Arthur Smith saying that we can win with Ritter. I mean, maybe maybe they'll take Layatu Latu or something like that, and I wouldn't be too upset if they'd take, like, a star edge rusher. But, like, <laughs> that would be the only option that I would accept if you take a star pass rusher. But um, They're taking back powers. Hell yeah. Look, if, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, Adnan, right? You know? <laughs> like, we couldn't, we couldn't make Kyle Pitts into a blocker, so let's just take another tight end in the top five that we already know can block. That'll solve all of our problems. There we go. Easy peasy. But yeah, guys, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We got one more from Corey Carter. Thanks, Corey, by the way, the $2. He says, I've got two quarterbacks on my fantasy team, Stroud and Ritter. And this week I'm putting my whole season on the line if Stroud doesn't play. Changed my mind, really. I mean, I hope you don't have a 2QB league, uh, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. Um, Ritter actually, for his part, has been a decent fantasy quarterback because he scores rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he's, so, he's actually been a decent it, fantasy quarterback. Yeah, this especially this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not like, against the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, I would do it if I had to for sure. Or you could I be mean, like me and start the goat, small. Jake Browning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I started Jake Browning that first week that he was started. Uh, 
I, and somebody was up up like 18 points on me and I bet they were like, oh yeah, I got this in the bag. And then he scores like 25 and I just like died. I was like, oh yeah, you, you shouldn't have, you should have known you were going up against the goat. You know, the goat never disappoints. So Jake Browning, shout out fantasy hero. But um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us and, and trying to endure this terrible season. Um, you know, this, this, I think it's a mess of their own making, you know, I, I, they, they didn't really, and like Taylor Heineke came in too and looked terrible. Like it's like every quarterback that this offense touches looks terrible. Mariota looked terrible. Heineke looked terrible. Ritter has looked better than those two, but not by much. Um, There's a common denominator. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think like Ritter and a system that made more sense and that, maybe had easier responsibilities for him. Didn't ask so much of him. I think Ritter could probably be passable. Like he, I think he's shown the ability to make throws. Obviously his accuracy, especially deeper past the intermediate area is problematic. That's probably always going to be something he deals with, but like you see the rushing ability, you see his ability on zone read. He's finally started putting the ball in his outside hand when he runs. So that's a big step. Uh, you know, I feel like Ritter could be a passable starter at times. I, I think he's obviously someone that should be here long-term as a backup. You know, I think at worst he's, he's a, a quality backup, but like, so even, even with Ritter, it's like, he clearly hasn't played good enough. I mean, we know that. I mean, I, I did a whole tweet thread about it. He just hasn't been good enough to be the starter next year, but like, I think in, in like if he, and this isn't fair because no one else is Kyle Shanahan, but like in Kyle Shanahan's offense, he'd be fine. You know, he'd probably be an effective starter if, because Kyle Shanahan creates so much space for his players that the quarterback isn't expected to be a hero every single snap. And we need to stop if we if our off if the offense you're running requires Patrick Mahomes or like an elite quarterback to execute it. You got a bad offense because guess what? There's only like two or three of those guys in the NFL. You have to be able to make do with something less than that. Otherwise, you're one your quarterback missing a couple games away from you missing the playoffs because the the NFL, especially at the top, you're on the knife's edge every week between the first seed and being out of the playoffs. I mean, it, it can be really close. So you need to have an offense that you can insert a passable quarterback into, and, and it needs to be okay. And the Falcons just clearly don't have that right now. And I think that's why the pro- why this why we have so many questions about the future of this team. Essentially, is that like it's it looks bad. You know, it, nobody is succeeding. We haven't found a single quarterback that looks good in here. I, Ryan Tannehill is the only one, you know, um, in fairness, in fairness, they look at what they've invested in those quarterbacks, free agent, yeah. uh, after, after the initial wave marks, Mariota, third round pick, Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, another free agent. Like that you have to invest in this position. Like this is the most important position in sports. And they're not, they're not giving it the value that it deserves. They're not giving it the value that it needs. And again, that's, that's on the decision makers. You've had three off seasons. Yeah. It's just frustrating. And I know you guys are frustrated too. Um, and like, you know, we all wanted this to work. Uh, obviously. I mean, none of us want to ever have a coaching staff be fired. I mean, we don't want Smith to be fired. We wanted this team to make the playoffs. I mean, we were, filled with optimism a couple of weeks ago, like, okay, maybe they can turn this around. Maybe they actually can convince us. And they, they just, every opportunity they have to do that, they, they squander it. And it's the same problems. And to me, you know, that just reeks of 
This is a, a top-down issue. This is a coaching staff problem. Everyone's sloppy. The routes aren't being run well. The spacing on, in the offense is bad. The passing game concepts are bad. It's asking way too much of the quarterback. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, a perfect example, right? You look at, like, Cincinnati's offense with Jake Browning. Jake Browning's not some elite quarterback, but guess what? That offense makes things easy on him. You know, even the Giants, like, they go to Tommy Tommy DeVito, the Italian legend, you know, He's able to execute so, um, that offense. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you brought up Jake Browning because yeah. I played against Jake Browning in college. Yeah. Not a bad uh, quarterback. I've seen when yeah. I've seen what, well, like it's a mix. You yes. can get a yes. really good Jake Browning where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think what a lot of Cincinnati is seeing a good bit of the, uh, this, uh, yeah. this run where it's like, oh yeah, no, he, he's a good dude. But he like there are it. times where you get a very <laughs> yeah. bad Jake Browning. But to your point, you know, it's it's a thing of you make it easy for him. Again, we look at Josh Dobbs in Minnesota. I know he just got benched, but the reason why the run kind of was where it was, like one, yes, you didn't have tape with him for Minnesota for a while. I'm not even saying just for the Falcons game, but remember, they also beat Minnesota, uh, New Orleans too, right? And and things were humming, uh, you know, against against Minnesota. But the thing is, there is there are certain teams, there are certain coaches, they make things easier. For certain quarterbacks. And the reason why I bring that up is so like I wanted to read this Dan Orlovsky uh tweet off before we finish. Um, he brought this out the you no know, the other day. He said three things with the Atlanta Falcons offense for me. One, Drake London is a star. They should throw to him, they should throw him the ball way more. Absolute stuff wide receiver. I think we no, all no argument there, that, right? <laughs> like, no, no, no shocker. Yep. Um, another one. I like to see more zone read and in parts of the field other than just the red zone. I think we've all agreed that we'd like to see make the game easier for Desmond Ritter, right? Let him let him use his legs more. And again, like I, I wish people would read between the tea leaves. Why do you think we're saying make the game easier for a quarterback? Because he's not good enough to where you make the game hard for him. So, yes, we talk about coaching a lot on here. But a part of the reason why we say like, hey, no. Boot, like give him some boots and things like that because we're saying we know he's limited make it easier for him but there's a lot of stuff going on right now and like if you don't want to listen to me say that you don't want to listen to kevin or adnan or alan like anybody on here listen to the guys that have played the game at, at the quarterback position at a high level there's a hall of fame quarterback out there that has questioned what this offense looks like scheme wise so it's not it's not like it's just us okay and then of course no exaggerating Bijan should get a minimum 25 touches per game final month, as I know we've all been saying that too, right? Um, So again, just getting back to the whole point of, look, it's one of those things, like I said, I'm glad y'all brought up two of those two quarterbacks because it's amazing what can happen when you do have a scheme. And like, if you're going to tell me that Tommy DeVito or Jake Browning is, well, more so for sure Tommy DeVito is better than Desmond Ritter. I will take my headset off. I will walk out. I'll log out of the call. You will never see me on here ever again. Right? Like that that's that that's where I stand on that. But that being said, it does say something in terms of the coaching making things easier for those limited quarterbacks. Like I said, for the most part, I don't think we see that enough within Atlanta. I just don't. Yeah. No, I mean I think that's what where I land is that you can overcome you can make things easy on you you can make things easy on your young quarterback you can set the table for him you can lean on a strong run game to to make things easier to make things simpler right 
and they don't. They don't do those things. They it, Maybe it's because of misplaced trust in Ritter. I don't know. But from the very beginning, they put a lot on Ritter's plate. They didn't make it easy on him. And it's been to their detriment. Ritter has been very mistake prone. He's made a lot of bad reads. He's made a lot of bad decisions. But he's not being helped either. And it's not... And a lot of people, and some people would probably say like, oh, well, like, I mean, I'm sure Ritter isn't telling, like, why isn't Ritter telling them to simplify the off? Because he would never say that. Like, no quarterback's going to be like, actually, I can't handle the playbook, guys. Please, please call it, please ratchet it back. No, no, no NFL quarterback is going to do that because it would, it would be such a blow to your ego to actually admit that. And like, you have to be confident in yourself in the NFL, even if you suck, even if you're not good enough, you have to think you are, or you're, you have no chance. You have to believe in yourself. Even if no one else does, if you don't believe in yourself, like, you're done. You have no chance in the NFL. You're you're cooked. So you have to believe in yourself. And Ritter's not going to say, hey, guys, you need to ratchet back the play calling a little bit, make it a little easier on me. That'd be great because I can't handle some of these reads. It's too complicated. There's too many moving pieces. Like, that's a lot to expect from a veteran, much less a guy who's basically starting... He still hasn't even started a full season of games yet. I mean, it's getting close now. It's 15 games, but we have like this coaching stuff has to do better. They have to put him in a position to succeed and they haven't done that. And I think that's a, one of the biggest indictments that we've seen is that we were supposed to have this strong run game. We were supposed to have this staff that knows what to do. They can scheme it up. And not only have they not leaned on the run game, the Falcons are 15th in yards per carry this year, by the way, nowhere near what they should be. Um, it's just, you, you got to be better. You have to be better. Um, and they haven't done that so far. But yeah, please go ahead, Anna. I'm, I'm just going to say one thing. Um, you said that there may be some misplaced trust in Desmond Ritter from, from this coaching staff. I feel like that's something that they, will, that they would have in common because there seems to be some misplaced trust from this franchise <laughs> in Arthur Smith. And, it's, it's all the way down. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah, uh, that's... That's pretty much all, all I have to say about that. You guys hit on, you guys hit on every point. I would just be repeating what you guys are saying. Uh, I, I agree with everything. It's just, it's just exhausting at this point because this season was supposed to, it was supposed to go a lot better than it has, and we were expecting that, and it hasn't. And you know, it's just same old Falcons. Yeah, I agree. So we got. A, oh, go ahead, Jordan. If you want, you got something to add. Oh, I was just gonna say, like to add Nance point. Grady Jarrett's quote, I'm trying not to say it again, but he, he Grady and Adnan both, they're they're right on it. Mm-hmm. Yep, they, they are. Um so we got a we got a trio from James MT95 here. Uh thanks, that James. we'll get to. Yeah, thanks, James. Appreciate you. Uh that will that'll that'll close us out. Uh we got so with the five dollars for us, thanks, James. Says, I don't think we had the options to invest at quarterback in the previous years, look at those free agency classes in 2022 and 2023 and the draft classes. Arthur Smith expected Ryan to be here long-term and then transition. Um, there's always options. And like, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't in favor obviously of going all out for Lamar and also Lamar was never available. So like, I'm not really going to talk about that one because he was never available anyway, but like they could have made moves those years. Like, Sure, they weren't, they, you know, they could have made a move and, and like the Panthers went up to number one to get Bryce Young last year. Like they, you know, the, the, and they were picking behind the Falcons. Now I'm, I'm not saying that was a great idea or anything, but like 
let's not pretend that there weren't options. Like the Falcons could have made that trade with the Bears instead of the Panthers. They could have gotten up to number one. They had assets. They could have done this type of stuff. Um, now, obviously, the Bears wanted DJ Moore, and that helped solidify the trade. But, I mean, it's all part of it. They have they had options. There's And there were more options that than were also what was available, right? In 2021. Yes, and that's the big one, I would say. Like, if they... I would say that that was their chance to get a quarterback if they thought they needed one. And like, I would have said they should have just done it anyway, because you never know, like at, at Matt Ryan's age, I think he was 37 in 2021. Yeah. Um, you just don't know how many more years you're going to get. And it would have been the perfect scenario to develop a guy for a year or two and then gently insert him, you know, after that. Um, but they just, they chose not to do that. They, and like, maybe they did expect Ryan to be here, but then they went and pursued Deshaun Watson. Now, now we know that that wasn't really Smith and or that wasn't really Smith and Fontenot's idea, or maybe even their call at all. But they they then you know let Ryan leave. They traded him away, and and you know that was out of respect for Ryan. I get that, um, but they didn't make any attempt to really replace him either. Like they signed Marcus Mariota, so like. And I mean, I get the 2022 class didn't have great quarterback options. Um, but still, you know, like, what about Ryan Tannehill? You know, he could have been had in a trade this year. And like, I agree, like, it wouldn't have been a great setup and I wouldn't have loved it. But like, they could have made a move for Ryan Tannehill if they thought that Ritter was so bad. But they had a lot of faith in Desmond Ritter. Uh, and it seems like, I, I just don't know who to blame. Like, I'm not sure if it's really Desmond Ritter's fault or if it's Arthur Smith's fault, or if it's a joint thing. It's probably at least somewhat of a joint thing, right? Definitely joint. But, um, yeah. It's definitely but joint. I, I mean, obviously, like... Yeah. No, sorry. I, I, sorry no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I, was I mean... going to say, go like, ahead. Yeah. in terms of the uh, the Marcus Mariota thing, again, once we saw... Once I saw he was... I think he was released from the Raiders. I think that's where he was before. It was like, oh, he's going to be in Atlanta. And the reason he's why is because, well, where was he before... You know, he got to Vegas was he was in Tennessee. So like in terms of being in a transition window, you knew that was what was going to happen. Where I think, you know, again, our issue or my issue have been all along is we saw how things were going with Marcus. You should have let Desmond play earlier. And I think that would have given us a better idea. Us being, you know, the decision makers that be, what do we have at quarterback? Like, again, you just let him play four games. And of course, one of them was against second and third teamers against Tampa Bay because they already had the division sealed up. So you didn't really see much from there. Um, so you came into this year hoping you thought you had what you had at quarterback, right? But in reality, like the way this is probably going to play out is you you really just had two two backups as your top two options, talking about Desmond, which I think that's what he's going to end up being overall. Um, and of course, Taylor Heineke. Now, you know, I'm saying that to say, I still honestly don't fully know what Desmond Ritter is. Right. I'm just going off yeah. of what I have seen of him, you know? Yeah. Um. So that's why I get frustrated in terms of going into this year, you know, all the cap, cap space we had, all the moves that we did. Maybe you do make something happen for a quarterback. Sure. But because you didn't let Desmond play earlier last year when he could have and should have played, you had no idea, which let you be even more bullish on letting him be the guy going into this year. So that's what I'm saying. Overall, like they still, they, they, they played themselves. Yeah. No, I think that's the big thing is that Desmond Ritter should have started like half the games last year. De 
Marcus Mariota like clearly was mentally broken after a certain point and he didn't he really shouldn't have been on the field anymore. But we had to wait 14 weeks to see Desmond Ritter. Uh and that was ridiculous. It was a terrible decision. I think we all know that. Um that was their first mistake with this quarterback situation. And I think that was our first clue that they didn't really know what the hell they were doing there. Um the second one and Adnan beat this drum a lot. Ritter barely played in the preseason. Barely played. He played like a handful of drives the entire time. He, they treated him like Matt Ryan in the preseason. And lo and behold, he looked really sketchy the first like four games. Like just completely not ready. They were hiding him in camp too. Like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if you remember training camp, but we were there every single day. And every single day, never threw a deep. Yeah. Every single pass was within five yards, for the most part, the majority. And I saw people and I saw other members of the media just pushing this narrative of, oh, he went seven for eight on his passes in, uh, in seven on, on one seven drive. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he went seven for eight. All seven of those passes were screen passes. Like they were all screens and, and slants. Like I would hope he would go seven for eight. And, yeah. you know, the, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. That they, they treated him like he was some MVP winner. But yeah. You no, know, exactly. what, what, you, you reap what you sow at this point. Yeah. And I know it's like maybe it wouldn't have led to Ritter being better, but I think it would have given us a clearer picture of what he was. And and maybe like I don't know if it would have changed things for this coaching staff, like made them realize he wasn't as ready as they thought they that he was. But they they botched it. They didn't give him enough reps in the preseason. They didn't really give him much of a chance to get ready. They kind of anointed him too early. Um, and clearly, Taylor Heineke's not a better option. I mean, I think we know that obviously at this point. But um, it you know it it was it was botched the whole thing. And and you know I know people are saying, well, they were in the division hunt last year, so that's why they didn't bench. Mariota was costing them games. Like he was losing oh. them games. Like, yeah, I just, so I don't, I don't know what you're preserving. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I want to say this one final thing and then I got to go after this, but I want yeah. to say this one final thing. Cause let's look at the schedule again last year. Cause I think people kind of forget you get jaded and I, and I, and I get it in terms of like, you could say the same thing for this year of like you get jaded by a, a division push, yada, yada. The reason why last year is different from this year in that regard is last year you weren't supposed to go for anything. It was like a, Oh wait, we're still kind of around. Okay, Cool. This year was like, no, you were supposed to have everything around where you're supposed to win this division. So I'm just going to ask people again. After that Thursday night game on November 10th, when the Falcons lost 25 to 15 to Carolina, and this dude, Marcus Mariota, threw the football <laughs> like this on his back, you really thought that we were supposed to win a damn division? Like, really? I, I, like, seriously, because like this is what we did to close out that year. You lost them to the Chargers, and again, that wasn't even, even like fully on Marcus. You know, Drake London had the fumble by the red by the goal line. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, D lineman fumbled, and nobody touched oh, him. God. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that was yeah, yeah. It was take one. It was take one. Okay, cool. Thank you. Poor take um, one. You know, you beat Chicago by three, then you lose, 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 lose. Like, don't come on now. Let, let's be honest about that. Like, in terms of this was the first year that this team actually had expectations. 
Last year, you did not have expectations. We can be all honest about that. Again, remember, this is supposed to be a three-year plan. That was year two. So if that's going to be year two, you might as well see what you have in the guy that you just brought in, right? And you didn't do it. And I really do think that that hurt the decision-making process going into the season. Like, I, I, that's why I'm saying, like, there are two different things. Like, yeah, okay, cool. You were in the division hunt last year. But, again, like, we've all talked about how bad this roster was last year, right? Um, obviously, we all know the roster is a whole lot better this year than it was last year. And we can talk about the quarterback position this year. We can talk about it last year. I, and I'm listening to those conversations, right? Like, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. What I'm saying is you were in the division hunt last year just off of being lucky. You're supposed to be in the division hunt this year. So those are two different things. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said, I got to hop out as yep, always. We I'm went on, long Kevin, tonight. You know. Y'all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody in the chat, love you all. Appreciate you. And um, yeah, you know, we will uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Peace yeah, out, everybody. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I know some people think like if we took Mario out, we'd be tanking. I, I think it's the opposite. I think like Desmond Ritter gave him a better chance to win. I think we all thought we were calling for Ritter to play, not because we wanted to tank, because we thought Ritter gave them a better chance to win. Because Mariota was mentally broken. Like, Mariota, if he was playing well, like he was early in the year, where he wasn't playing great, but he was playing fine, that was a different story. But he clearly just lost it at some point. Like, he just was making too many mistakes. He was very timid. um, And we already knew he couldn't throw deep. So, you know, I they drafted Ritter to be, quote-unquote, the quarterback of the future, or at least give him a chance. And we needed to see him. We needed to see him have an opportunity to win instead of being put in at when they were already out. Um, so, you know, I, I think we, we, I'm not going to back off of that. I think playing Ritter gave them a better chance to win because Mariota was mentally broken and you could see it every time he stepped on the field. There was no chance of him leading us to anything other than a higher draft pick, which maybe we should have done, you know, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So we got the final two from James here, um, saying a lot of times these, Young quarterbacks are a flash in the pan. A lot of these guys that emerge from nowhere nowhere get figured out after their film is out. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Like, I don't think anyone's expecting, like, Jake Browning and Tommy DeVito to be, like, long-term stars. I mean, maybe, like, fans that are uber-hyped right now are. But, like, it's more that good, I think good offensive coaches can, like, squeeze some good games out of these backup quarterbacks and keep the teams afloat or, or like, do some updates and, and, and do some stuff that we're just not seeing the Falcons do. Like, like Ritter should be able to have games like that where he's out there balling and dealing and all this. And outside of that Texans game, I haven't really seen Ritter play a clean game. You know, I think that Texans game, he did a lot of the heavy lifting and he actually covered up the mistakes of everybody else. And that was really the only time all season we've seen that happen. Um, so it was tough. It was, it was tough. But, and then James also says, I'm not a Ritter stand, by the way. I think Smith needs to call plays better. Yeah, I, I, know, I know, James. I think you're trying to really dive into, you know, the debate of is it Smith or Ritter? And it's it's both. But yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what Joe Schmo in the chat says is that I think it is mostly Smith with Ritter playing a contributing role. But, you know, how much of it is being held back by Ritter? It's kind of hard to say because of how bad the offense looks as a whole. Um, so it's just, he undoubtedly has something to do with that. It's clear he's not executing it cleanly, but... They're not really putting him in a position to succeed either. Um, 
All right, Adnan. Anything else you want to get to before we sign off tonight? Nope. I think, I think we covered it. I think we covered it pretty well. But guys, thank you for hanging out so late with us tonight. Obviously, we had a lot to get off a lot to get off our chests, a lot a lot of takes, a lot of, a lot of thoughts to, to put out there. We'll obviously be back uh, for a game preview on uh, coming out on Friday, previewing this Panthers game. So you'll stay tuned for that. We'll obviously have the post game coming to you on Sunday. Where we're probably going to be talking about a win, probably. But if we're not, you know, it'll be spicy, I'm sure. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Please, please leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're interested in supporting the channel, you can sign up for that channel membership on YouTube. If you want to get those exclusive perks, if you're more of a podcast listener, you can check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. And yeah, I'm... I'm just happy to to have all these Falcons fans here. You guys make it easier on us. Uh, tonight's show, of course, was brought to you by Bet Online. We will see you guys real soon. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks to Jordan Watkins at Big Seventy Five Fella, and of course to Adnan at Say Which Way for tonight's co-hosting duties. We will be back soon with more Falcons takes, whether we like it or not. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Have a great night, folks. Cheers.